welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Over the past few weeks, Don has been looking at the subject of the people of God transformed, and in particular, the power of virtue, the power of making small choices again and again and again, and until we can say that they are second nature, or that we do these things automatically, totally realizing that when we started off to do these things, making those small decisions that do right, as opposed to what could be perceived as being wrong, that we are building virtue, and that we realize that on the the thousands and first time, they come together because of the thousand times that we have done the small choices of making good and right decisions that something that wasn't natural has now become natural, building virtue into our lives. Paul's admonition to to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, to exercise yourself in godliness and to realize that it doesn't happen by uh, by accident, it doesn't just happen, it doesn't happen through an experience or a Holy Spirit encounter, but it comes through doing the small things, day in, day out, that we exercise, we train ourselves and to godliness and to making the right decisions. So we started off with, with this as our foundation and then we looked at the power of worship to transform our lives, the power of worship to transform who we are. And then a couple of weeks ago, Don took the subject of the power of integrity of heart in the process of developing character. And tonight we're gonna, we're gonna build on that and we're gonna look at the power of the word of God in our life. And as our foundation, and which we'll look at it later on, I should say, our reading this evening is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The the purpose of developing virtue and spiritual uh, discipline is so that our lives are transformed from the inside out. To try and do things on the outside with a list of do's and don'ts just leads us to be a religious people. But the power of God to transform from the inside out is the call of God to us as Christians, that we have been powerfully saved and that we have been set on a course and that our lives and our thinking and the transformation takes place as we allow ourselves to dive, as it were, into this book and we allow the word of God to become so part of us, it transforms the way that we think and the way that we do things. The Bible teaches us that we really struggle, we really stumble to be disciples of God, of Christ, if we do not have a regular intake of this word. Jesus said to his followers, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the opposite is also the case. If you do not spend time in this word, if you do not get into the word of God, your life will not know what really and truly it was made for. This is a call to allow the word of God to transform us, that we build the virtue, that we build spiritual discipline of spending time in this book so that we are transformed. 
as we look through the history of the Christian church, you will find one common denominator that characterizes, I should say, every great man and God, man and woman of faith, and it is that they knew their Bible. You just can't get away from it. There is no excuse, there is no other reason. They knew their, their Bible. They did incredible works at different levels or at different times, but they knew the Word of God. They had spent time in it. They gave testimony to consistently spending time in the Word of God. Today, it's a real challenge to us. The Bible in the Western world is more available in, in 2015 than it has ever been before in the history of the written, printed, or whatever word that we have. But there is such a famine of the Word of God amongst the people of God that it is some people have called it the greatest famine in the history of the Bible. We have the Bible in so many ways, and yet the knowledge of the church of the people who call themselves Christians is at such an incredible low level that there seems to be an incredible dichotomy. The claim of discipleship and to developing virtue is a commitment to this word. You know, many may be saying, well, you know, I don't know if I need to hear this again. We did a series last year about being the people of the word. We talked about the Bible before. It's one of those things that we need to hear time and time again because if you don't do it, it doesn't do you any good. You can't say it any simpler. You can look at it, you can flick at it, you can do whatever you like, you can switch it on, you can switch it off, you can have every version that you want, you can have it on your iPhone, your iPhone, whatever you like, every jolly eye thing you can have. But if you don't read it, it ain't any good. Perhaps we don't need to hear this stuff again, but it is also good to check the givens of life. General Colin Powell, spelt Colin, but known as Colin Powell, is one of the most famous men over the last 30 years uh, in the history of American politics. He has an incredible, incredibly impressive resume. He served under four US presidents as Secretary of State and as chairman of the Joint Chief of Staffs, and he's the only African-American to have done so. He was the supreme commander of the Allied invasion of Iraq in 1991, and he was Secretary of State of the United States on 9-11, when the planes went into the Twin Towers. Latterly, he has been a guest speaker at the Willow Creek Global Leadership Summit. If he had decided to run for presidency in 2004, it is believed that he would have been the first African-American uh, president even before Barack Obama. Such were his credentials. In his incredible biography, which I highly recommend, entitled My American Journey, he recounts one of the stories that changed his life and way of thinking forever. He was about to make a parachute jump, which he did very regularly. And he was told on this occasion by his corpsman that the clip securing his harness to the parachute was good to go and that he was set fair for the jump. But so was his nature that despite hearing that and about 45 seconds out from the, from the drop zone, he did what he always did. He checked the givens. He checked the small things. But having been told that it was all good, he still did it. And when he checked his clip, 
he discovered that his harness was not correctly fitted and the clip had not closed. And if he had jumped, he would have undoubtedly died. And when he talks about the 13 principles of leadership, he always says, check the givens, check the small things, because you don't know what will happen if you don't. And tonight, I want to check the given of being a people of the Word of God. In our church, we are known for the quality of Don's teaching. We are known for the importance that we put on the Word of God. Preaching and the Word of God is front and center of all that Gateway does. You know, but I want to check that it is a given, check the small things that we as a people who have some of the finest teaching, I believe, not only in New Zealand, but of this generation, it is no good sitting under incredible teaching and not reading the Bible for ourselves. This is not a word of condemnation, but it's a word of challenge to be a people who just not hear it, but actually read it for ourselves. And that we check the givens, and I check that given tonight, because as Colin Powell says, if you do not check the givens, it could be the difference between life and death. And tonight, I honestly believe that our fruitfulness, that our, our, our future, as it were, in Christ, our effectiveness in the kingdom is tied up in whether or not we are people of the word, and that there is a challenge that we need to check those givens and so today, we take the role of the Word of God, and that's what I want us to base tonight on, and see its role in the renewing of our minds. The renewing of our minds. Allowing the Word of God to renew how we think, how we imagine, how we fantasize, and how we dream. The battle for life, the battle for sin, always starts in the mind. You don't simply jump into doing something wrong or making a bad decision. There has been a process. There have been thoughts that have led you to being in that situation. So the battle for life starts in the mind. You know, Paul says in Romans 7 verse 19, and it says these words, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. In other words, he says, I so want to do the good, but I end up doing the bad. I don't want to do the bad, but I do the good. And I think that's probably most of our, our testimony. Every action, every habit, every behavior is first born from a thought, and there is no other way about it. So when Jesus began his ministry, his very first message addressed our thoughts and not our behavior. Changing our lives will only happen when we change the pesky thoughts and the pesky thought patterns that bug us and challenge us and lead us astray. I don't really worry about behavior. Attitude and thoughts concern me more than anything else <coughs> because they are the foundation of unhealthy habits. I'm not a scientist. I'm not even incredibly bright, so I've done the following research, and I was quite intimidated by it. The brain that we have, I am told, is the most truly amazing thing that we have. And although we know a little about it, actually, in the reality of it, we know very little about how the brain works. The brain is one of God's great mysteries. It is supposed to consist of 100 billion neurons the same number as the known stars in the galaxy, 100 billion neurons. I don't know what a neuron is. 
I don't even know how, much, how many 100 billion is, but already I'm intimidated. The slowest information in the mind travels at 420 kilometers per hour. 420, that's the slowest. And the average number of thoughts we have each day is, to be, is believed to be 70,000. Isn't that amazing? I'm sure there are some people here who have way more than 70, and most of us guys, we have about 10. I didn't mean 10,000, I said meant 10. You know, but we have 70,000 thoughts. It's no wonder the Bible has so much to say about our thought life. Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As the man thinks in his heart, so is he. Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is true, noble, right, lovely, think on these things. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed, as we read earlier, by the renewing of your mind. And of course, what makes it all the more difficult is because all these things are hidden in the inside and they are not seen outside. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln, American president, said, I am not a man, I am a civil war. And I think that's really good. I am not a man, I am a civil war. How he refers to the battles that go on in his own life, in his own mind, and in his own thinking. This great American statesman, from log cabin to White House, that great autobiography, and here he says, I'm not a man, but I'm at civil war with myself. Echoes the words of, of Paul in Romans, as we said earlier on. One of the most intriguing insights into the importance of our minds and thinking, as seen from a biblical perspective, is to pursue a quick word study of a very familiar biblical and especially an Old Testament concept, that of the city gates. A cursory read of the Old Testament, if you read the parts of the Old Testament, the city gate is really, really important. The walls and the city gate in ancient times were so significant for a safe and secure city. They had the walled cities in, in the time of Jesus and throughout the history were places of enormous importance politically, financially, and strategically. They became a place where life happened. They became the flow, the fountain of life. If you go to some of the ancient cities today in Europe, like, like Rome or London or Edinburgh or Jerusalem, you can still go to those old city gates and you can still see something of the importance that happens in there, that they were so, so important. And as time passed, the importance of the gates intensified and it became a place where business was transacted. You could get married at the gates. It was the place of the center of government. It was where everything happened of any importance. And building on this, many occasions, cities in the Old Testament are likened to our lives. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. In other words, no protection from the enemy. Why do I say that? I say that to say this. The Hebrew word for gates is shagar. Exactly the same word that is used in Proverbs 27, verse 3, which says, so as a man thinks, so is he. The same word, in other words, for the city gates, shagar, is exactly the same word in Hebrew for the mind. So as you think, it's just like a gate. Those exactly the same. 
They are closely linked concepts in the Old Testament and I believe in the tenor of teaching that comes out from the Old Testament. The gate to our lives is your mind. The key to your life is how you manage your mind. Your quality of life as a Christian, as a person, depends on what goes in. The quality of your walk with God, your quality of relationship with your wife, your partner, your husband, your family, your children, whoever, depends on how well you keep the gate. We need to regulate what goes in, and we need to regulate what we see and what we say. Therefore, whatever verse, whatever angle one takes, it is clear from Scripture that the renewing of the mind is something that is needed, and that we are to play an active and determined role in this process. Salvation comes through Christ. We are commissioned with a new and eternal purpose. But the problem is our minds are not programmed in the same way. Our minds are damaged. So through the word of God, we have to retrain, we have to reprogram, or as scripture uses that phrase, we have to renew our minds. I don't know about you, but you know when the Bible says whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, are not natural places for me to go. I don't wake up in the morning thinking pure, holy, wonderful thoughts. First of all, when you get to my age, you're pleased that you wake up in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the people here on the front row, isn't that right? <laughs> they, you should have heard them say, they all said yes when I said that. So give me a break. <laughs> I'm so pleased you backed me up there. And You're getting older, Joe, are you? You said it. <laughs> Move on. Those places that are pure, holy, noble, whatever that list says in Philippians 4, are not places naturally that I go to. I just don't go there very often. I don't naturally retreat there. So often my mind goes in the opposite direction, if I'm, if I'm not careful, into darkness, into dark thoughts, into things that are not right and how I shouldn't think. And part of God's plan for spiritual growth is to renovate our thought life so that it is aligned with being a new creation. And one of the key roles of this is what, how we approach Scripture and how we get scripture into our being. I wish I could quote, uh, claim the following as a quote of my own, but I have to make it anonymous because that's what it is. It says, a renewed mind is a mind that has been trained to think truth instead of a lie, reality instead of the illusion of the world, in line with the spirit and not the flesh. In other words, your mind, my mind, has to be retrained. We have to learn to rethink. We have to think differently. And that comes through a process of knowing the Word of God and having the Word of God in our being on a regular basis. The idea of developing virtue. And very quickly, I just want to cover four areas this evening that I believe that Scripture talks about in regards to our mind and how we need to react and respond and first of all, that our minds are broken. Point one, your mind, my mind is broken. Last week, I briefly touched on the issue of mental illness and mental health and fully stand by what I said. And that suffering with either mental health or mental 
illness doesn't mean that you are crazy. It doesn't mean that you are out of touch or anything less than intelligent. It means that you were broken by sin. Friends, you know, Jeremiah says in 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand? One thing is true. You have a wonderful ability to lie to yourself, and so do I. We have an innate ability to lie about ourselves to ourselves on all occasions if we so choose. And if you deny that, then you're lying. You know, irrespective this evening of how in control or intelligent we perceive ourselves, all our minds are broken. There are many who think that the only problem with the humankind or the human mind is that it doesn't have access to all the knowledge and education it needs. And that when it does, when we get more, educate, more educated people, we won't have so many unkind and uncaring people. We won't have violent people. We won't have people who kill. We won't have people who plan terrorist plots if only we could get more educated. The Bible would strongly contradict that line, that fallacy of thinking that so often pervades us in the 21st century. Paul in Ephesians, echoing the words of Romans 12, says these words, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Be renewed in the spirits of your minds. And it means at least this. It means a lot more, but it means at least this. The human mind is not simply a sophisticated computer managing data which it processes for us to make appropriate responses. Tonight, your mind and my mind has a spirit, what we call a mindset. It has a point of view. It has a mindset. It can perceive in and of itself. It can detect it has a posture, it has a demeanor, it has an attitude, it has a bent that is hostile to the supremacy of God. You can think good thoughts one minute and your mind can go completely off on a complete tangent. Your mind can be in a good place and then you can think the most abhorrent and evil thought. You can think the most immoral thing. You can think the most wicked thing on complete tangents. Our minds have a mindset, our minds have a viewpoint that is simply not ours, and that our minds are broken. Paul says, be renewed by the spirit of your mind because our minds are broken. And our minds are not just computers that process what we have and what we've learned and what we've come, where we've come from. Our minds have a spirit that we need to bring under the word of God. <clears throat> I have noticed and read in many articles how the current vogue, the current fashion is to value authenticity. Isn't it the buzzword? Authenticity. I think it's always been the buzzword. Authenticity, that's what we need. The question I would like to ask, because I might be grumpy and curmudgeonly, is when has authenticity not been in style? When has it never been a desirable attribute? Authenticity has always been an attractive quality. But a lot of those proudly promoting 
their authenticity don't really realize what it is. You are not authentic until you can really admit how inauthentic you are most of the time. Ironically, authenticity begins when you start admitting that you are actually inauthentic and broken. The call to authenticity shouldn't be the latest in, cool, sexy thing. It is a call to admit brokenness. Friends, we start by allowing ourselves to build spiritual virtue by reading the word of God, by realizing our minds are broken. And that's not a word of, of, of heaviness, of condemnation. It's just a real, real word, a living word from the word of God that says we're all broken. Let's start to rebuild because that's what he wants to do. <coughs> Secondly, I'm sure that clock's going too quickly. Let me keep going. The Bible says that we need to destroy strongholds. Very briefly mention this, but it's clearly seen in Scripture. If you're talking about the renewing of minds and you don't allude to this, I think you do the subject of injustice. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, not of the flesh, but have, strong, have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Scripture, not only there, but in other places in Paul's writing, there is a force that is behind our minds. There is a force that desires to manipulate your thinking, and there is a force that desires to pull the strings on you as a believer. That there is a there are the possibilities of strongholds having strong activity in our life. The Greek word for a stronghold literally means a fortress. And the best way to describe it as a stronghold is that you, in your mind, are held captive to a series of thoughts. That you, in your mind as a Christian, are held in prison by a series of thoughts about a given area. Let me explain. If our language gives us away, really, if our vocabulary is tainted with such words as I'm racked with guilt, or I just feel so terribly condemned, I can't shake this. I don't know where this fear comes from, but I seem to live my life in fear. Friends, I believe that those point to strongholds in your life. If you cannot shake guilt from an incident and you have been to, to your knees and asked God for forgiveness and you know that you are but you cannot shake the guilt, I would say that you have a stronghold that needs to be broken. And you name it what it could be, condemnation, it can be guilt, it can be fear, it could be whatever. And it's not that we don't all get some of those things. But if you constantly come back to that and it dominates your thinking, it dominates your life, there is a stronghold in your life that needs to be broken. Scripture is quite <laughs> clear on that. Thought patterns that tear us down. Things that cause us to be bitter, to be angry. More bitter than we should be. More angry than it's just normal if I can use it like that. Guilty, condemning, unforgiving, irrational, uncontrollable. 
thought patterns that on a regular basis take us down paths of illicit sexual activity mentally indicate a work of strongholds and that we need to have them broken and our minds need to be renewed. Saved, yes, but needing a breakthrough, yes. The following statement probably you wouldn't hear in some churches. <clears throat> and 10 years ago, if it was, or five, 10 years ago, this, if this following statement was ever made, it would always be referred to, to guys. But I want to make a statement tonight to both male and female. Tonight, if you have had any experience or any extended time in your life to porn, masturbation, or hallucinating drugs, I believe that your mind needs to have a breakthrough in the whole area of a stronghold. It is impossible. In conventional counseling, Christian counseling, wisdom, experience, it is virtually impossible for you to have spent any time in any of those three areas and not come a stronghold of the enemy that needs to be broken. And as I said, you'd normally say those to guys, wouldn't you? But I think today, such a society, we need to say those to both genders. Thirdly, <coughs> scripture about renewing our minds. Friends, don't believe everything you think. Please don't believe everything you think. Simply because we think something, even as disciples of Jesus, it doesn't mean they're always right and always true. Very often far from it. So many things come into our minds and we have to see and we have to sift what is good, what is right, and what is true in regard to us. The world puts things that are not right into our minds. Society does, culture does. Friends and family put things into our minds that are not right and not good for us. I said this morning, I often hear people say, well, family are coming around. And I always say, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because very often it's the words that we hear from family are the things that hurt us the most, the things that are not true, the things that were probably based on 10, 15 years ago, but are not true of today. And sometimes it's the words of friends and family that cause us so much difficulty. You know, the Bible uses at least a dozen different phrases for the condition of our minds which would lend itself to make sure that we say this statement, please don't believe everything you think. Here are some of the things that the Bible talks about in regards to our mind. It says that we can be confused. Yeah. How many of you, I can put my hand up to every single one of these. <laughs> confused. Anxious. I'll keep my hand up. Restless. Troubled. Depraved. Blinded. Corrupted. Friends, so don't believe everything you think. Because the enemy will want to sow stuff into your life that is not true, that will bring you down. That is why we come back to this virtue of day in, day out, left, right, left, right, time in the word, cleansing us and washing us and flooding things out because it helps us to think properly. It helps us to renew our mind. This is so pivotal. Fourthly, we read that from... 2 Corinthians earlier on, it says, taking every thought captive. As we immerse in ourselves in Scripture, the plan is that as we think and as we read and as we spend time in the Word of God, 
His thoughts will become our thoughts. His ideas will become our ideas. His opinion, his perception, his take, his slant on us and things around us and life in general will become merged. And that as he thinks, we think. And But for that to happen, we have to take every thought captive to obey Christ. We have to decide, I'm in on this. I'm part of this. I really do want to pull my weight in having my mind transferred. And these two, the two words, and as I said this morning, I, I, I'm not good at Greek, so I'm not even going to try and fool you with my pronunciation, because knowing my luck, there's some Greek person in. If you're Greek, can you put your hand up? Oh, good. <clears throat> these two words, it says, take captive, means to take control. It's a military word. It's a, a word that was used by the Greek armies, and it means to take control, it means to conquer, it means to bring into submission. So basically what it says here, that we need to take thought. We need to conquer those thoughts that are not right. We need to take thought, those concepts in our minds, those thinking patterns that are not right. And we have to conquer them. And the word in the Greek is a present word, so that means it happens now. But it is an ongoing, it is not a one-off event that we take our our thoughts captive. We have to do it time and time again. If we overcome tonight what we need to overcome, we may have to overcome it in the morning. We may have to overcome it again tomorrow afternoon. That is what it's called about taking captive on an ongoing basis. So you just don't have a victory tonight, celebrate it, absolutely, Lord, I chose not to go down this pathway mentally. You may challenge, be challenged about it tomorrow. And the second word is very similar, but it means to bring into submission. It means to listen under. It means to so posture your heart and your mind that you, as it were, come under someone who is speaking to you and you obey them. And it says there that you obey Christ. And friends, that's what we've got to do. In renewing your mind, I'm not going to give you a list tonight of 20 things that you need to do to renew your mind. It's something that you need to listen intently to the Holy Spirit who says, and he puts your name, these are the things about your life, your thinking, your thoughts that concern me. That we come under and we listen to him and we hear his voice that says, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that attitude? Have you thought about renewing your mind in this whole area? And it's listening Hearing what he says, come under his tuition, and we obey. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not outward things. It's an inward transformation of taking our thoughts captive so that we obey Christ, so that we renew our minds. And you know, when we mess up, we come and we get forgiveness, and we start again. And we mess up a second time and we ask for forgiveness, and we start again. And it may be the thousandth and first time that we have messed up, but we actually get it right. And that's what developing virtue is about, about being people of the word. Musicians, please come and join me. I just want, tonight as I close this, I'm going to take a risk, because... 
What I want to do in these next five minutes is I want to share with you some things that have been of help to me in taking thoughts captive. This is the agreement. I'm just going to be very vulnerable and share things with you. You need to hear what I'm saying. I am not saying, do this and you will be fine. I am not saying, gosh, this guy has got a real handle on these things. If you know me, you know I haven't. But for me, Christianity, theology, is incredibly practical. If, if theology isn't practical, I'm not sure that what role it has in people's lives. It must be personally relevant to where I'm at. So I'm going to share with you three or four things. Is that a deal? This is not some guy who's telling you, oh, these work wonderful for me. You know me, they don't. But some of the things that I find helpful in my own life is that, first of all, talk to someone you can trust. Don't talk to someone who will go talking to everybody else about what you have talked about. Don't talk to someone who will tell you what they think you want to hear. Talk to someone that you can trust and say, this is what I'm thinking. Am I right? And you need to have someone who will say, you're not. You are not thinking right. Very simple. Secondly, guard the gate. Please, please, please guard the gate. I tell you a couple of things. I can't do horror films. If I do horror films, I am a mental wreck. I just can't do it. Because they, they really affect me. I know, and I haven't watched them for years, because I'm not bright, but I know that if it damages me, I don't do it again. I can't do them. Even as I think about them, I just think, gosh, I have to stay away from them. And you know, a few years ago, well, before I came over here, I would spend, I don't know, two to three months of my, my year away from the United Kingdom. I would spend a lot of time on planes. I can't do planes, films that involve planes and plane crashes. Snakes on a Plane was not a film for me. I don't even like the funny spoof things because I just can't allow my mind to go there. I just can't do it. You know, if you are watching something on TV that you know causes you to have real issues, don't resist, replace it. Turn it over. That's what your remote is for. Don't say, well, I'm going to struggle through this and this is not going to affect me. You're an idiot. (laughs) Sorry, come on. Let's be honest about it. If you watch something on TV that you know is going to cause you to stumble or cause you weakness, it is not rocket science. Turn it off or turn it over. And when I come around your house, please don't have a horror film on. I just can't, I just, just can't go there. But I guard the, guard the gate. Honesty always helps. Honesty is always very, very helpful. You know, the, I, say, I said this to my connect group leaders, and I'll say it to you. One of the most impactful incidents in my whole life was about, I don't know, 20-something years ago when Hope and I and Ben, we went to live in California. And you know that funny little American guy who was here a few weeks ago? Daniel Brown, he was the senior pastor there. And we arrived on a, we were going there to work. We arrived on a Friday, went to church on the Sunday. We had our first staff meeting as pastors on the Tuesday. Nine o'clock, he walks into the room, sits us down, and he says, guys, I want you to pray for me. I've just been to the hairdresser, and I had some thoughts about her that were not very Christian. I needed to pray with me. And here I am thinking, whoa, here is this guy modeling something incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. 
Honesty is the only policy. That's why you need someone around you who you can trust and who you can share for. Your mind will lie to you. Honesty breaks the hold of the enemy. I always say that if you have a thought that isn't right, give it nowhere to go. Take the oxygen out of a situation and tell somebody about it. If I'm on a computer and something comes up that someone tells me they want to have a chat with me, I want to tell somebody. You know what I mean? I don't want anybody wanting to have a chat with me without other people knowing. I just want to tell people, give it nowhere to go. Give it no oxygen. One of the things I, I, I do in my own life, and this is where you're thinking probably absolutely weird, I just have to have something in the physical that helps me break something in the spiritual. And this is what I do. When I have a thought, when I'm walking down the street, or when I'm running, or when I'm in church, I'm in worship, and please don't watch me, but... I will sometimes have a thought that will come into my mind. And the thought that goes, I need to take this captive. I do something very simple and I just do this. I just take it captive and I say, Jesus, it's yours. You may just think that is the most weird thing to do. I take something captive and I give it to Jesus and it breaks the power. It doesn't linger in my heart because here it is. And it's the only thing that I can think of that helps break that. You've got to put systems into your own thinking that think, you know, if something comes into my life, I'm going to write it down and I'm going to share it with someone or I'm going to talk with someone or I'm going to do something about it. That's what I do. Musicians are going to lead us. Friends, tonight, this is not an issue of guilt. This is not an issue of, gosh, I haven't read the Bible, so I feel incredibly guilty. This is a call to remind ourselves of the importance and the centrality of the Word of God day in, day out that we get something of it into our system, that we're reading it. That who doesn't matter what's happened before, up until today, we can start again, we can start afresh, getting ourselves into this word so that we start that ongoing process of renewing our minds. And that when you're in your 50s, you may be able to say, you know, when I was in my 20s, I struggled with this, but you know, because of God and his grace for me, I have been able to get a handle on some of these issues. But that we're still willing to say that we're a civil war that's going on in our life. In closing, I want to recommend one incredible book. It's called The Bondage Breaker by Neil T. Anderson. I think it's the best book, apart from the Bible, written on this subject. Neil T. Anderson's The Bondage Breaker. If you can get it, read it. If you've got it and you've read it, give it to somebody else. If you've got it, read it again. Very practical, but it helps break those things in our life. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.